It's all fun and games until you get up on the podium your very first time and the instructor looks at you and asks, so you've done a waltz before, right? I couldn't be more excited to welcome my great friend, colleague, dope soul, Danielle McCleary to the podcast. Before we get into it, she is not only a senior instructor at SoulCycle, national vice president with Arbonne, she's a mom, like this lady is, she just does all the things, is all the things, has amazing nuggets to say. This is jam-packed. Make sure you have a pen or paper or your note section. You're going to want to pull nuggets from this. And without further ado, here you go. We are on with the wonderful Danielle McCleary. And I am so freaking excited because I feel like you're just one of my like older OG. You've seen the whole journey. You've been around for the whole thing. And we've been in cahoots for a long time now, like six or seven years. So I mean, how many friends... I don't know. Can you count how many friends you have for like super long time on your hand? I feel like I can. No, I mean, I, I can, I mean, yes, I can, but also there's a different kind of bond that comes when Mm -hmm. you like work for soul. And when you like go through similar life events, like it's a different kind of bond. So I feel the same way about you and I'm so happy to be here. Hi. Hi. I refer to you as like a dope soul. Like when I was thinking about you, I was like, okay, like what, how do I, how do I describe her? I was just like a dope soul. Well, thanks. Yeah. Just juicy. It's been a journey. It's been yeah. a, it's been a ride girl. Yeah. So I am always so interested because, you know, and like I was saying, everybody's always like, I want to take this job and I want to be this place in my life and I want to do all these things. And I was thinking, I mean, other than I want to hear about your journey before soul, because obviously we can mm. riff off about soul till we're blue in the face and we will probably, but where you grew up, where you went to high school, did you do sports? Where'd you go to college? How the hell did you get to LA? Where did you live in LA forever? Like all that stuff I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. So I was born and raised in LA. Um, I, well, kind of, my family was, my parents got divorced when I was two. So my mom lived out in Ventura County, which if you're in California, it's like, a, it's like an hour ish North of Los Angeles. Um, and then my dad lived in LA and then he lived, my dad kind of lived all over the place, but born and raised Southern California, Los Angeles. I grew up here. I went to high school in Ventura County, uh, Newbury Park High School, if anybody has heard of it. Shout out to the Panthers. I was, uh, I played softball growing up for like 12 years. And wow. then I, yeah. And then I was a swimmer. I swam pretty competitively for many, many, many years. And then by the time I got to high school, it was kind of because I also have been dancing since I was about four. So by the time I got to high school, I really wanted to put all my focus into dance and dancing professionally was like a big, big goal of mine. So I kind of stopped doing softball. I stopped swimming after my freshman year of high school and I just focused on dance. I was captain of the dance team. I was on a company team at my studio and then I got my first professional contract when I was 16 and, you know, over the next 10 years did, I went into theater and dance. I went to college for it at, uh, I'll get into that, but I basically (laughs) danced professionally for like the next, you know, 10 years of my life doing different shows and tours and videos and all the things. 
um, I actually got married when I was 20, which was like, not the plan. I was never getting married and I was never having children. And now I've been married and divorced (laughs) and I have a child. So funny how life will take you in different directions. Um, but yeah, I went to, I got married when I was 20 and I actually moved to England. Um, cause I, I got a job there and my husband at the time got a job there. And so I was choreographing musicals and working in England and taking dance classes and theater classes all over England, which was awesome. And then I actually got my degree from UC San Diego. I got a theater and dance degree, and then I got a master's in theater education acting. So yeah, I mean, I did all the things and I, I worked in television before soul cycle. Um, I, I worked for the Disney channel and showtime. And then one time when we were on hiatus from the show, I was on a Disney channel called ant farm. I found a uh, soul cycle. And then I realized that I was kind of over auditioning and I was over. I love, here's the thing. I love acting. I love dance. What I don't love is selling out for things I don't care about just to make money. And I never have. And I think I, if I would have known that some degree of that would have had to happen in order for me to truly be the actor or the dancer that I wanted to be, I probably wouldn't have gone into that, that career. I mean, you know, this, you worked in music and stuff like it's just, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't enjoy doing things that don't value me and what I love. And I know a lot of people would listen to this and be like, well, that's life, honey. But I don't know. I feel like that's just what we're kind of sold. We're sold on this idea that we're going to have to, you know, do things that we don't want to do in order to do the things we want to do. And I've just never subscribed to that theory. So I did it for 10 years. And then I was kind of like, I'm good. Eh, I'm good. And then I switched over to fitness and then found soul and the rest is history, you know? So... I had no idea about any of that, which is like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> like what? Live, you lived in England? Excuse me? Um, For four cool. years. That's crazy and awesome. What was one of the coolest dance gigs you were ever on? Or did you go on to- the coolest tour or the coolest video? What's like a cool moment for you? Um, I did. I danced with Justin Timberlake. Um, you knew that though. No, I didn't. Um, I don't know any. Yeah, of this. you definitely knew that. We've talked about this at well, Soul I Cycle forgot. before. Well, I forgot. Okay, and this is awesome. Okay. <laughs> um, I did dance for Justin. Um, I did a couple. Remember, uh, Dev, like a G six. Mm. Yep, I was in some of their videos. Um, I actually auditioned for So You Think You Can Dance and got to ballroom in in Vegas, and then, and then your and then ballroom took you out. <laughs> We were like, bye-bye now. And I was like, it's crazy though, because like back then, like when I was a professional dancer, like I, I just remember there were so many times when I would be like, I am at the top of my game. And now I look back and dancers now are so much more talented than we ever were. Like I could never put my leg that far over my head, you know, like I could, if it was like one time and I had stretched a lot, but it was never like, I was never a ballerina. I was never, I faked that. I faked ballet. I faked, you know, I was a hip hop dancer. I was a break dancer. 
same. I faked all of that and somehow like still didn't get, and didn't get kicked off the team somehow, like somehow. Well, because we had to, right? I mean, you grew up a dancer. So it's like when you grow up in that world and you like compete or you're in like company, right? You have to do it all because you can't just be on hip hop company. You have to be on all the things. Yeah. And now like a hip hop company exists, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And, and all of that. And I, all, all the things. Yeah. 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 No. And I feel the same way when I think about gymnastics, like, you know, a level 10, 20 years ago <laughs> was like doing a layout or like, you know, oh God, can you imagine doing anything Simone Biles is doing now? No, back then? No. no, no, you would have never. Yeah. No, no. The constant pushing of the envelope. So I love all that. You go to England. How did you get from England back to LA? Was there a dance gig? Was there a, how did that segue happen? No, I mean, I knew I was coming back and I knew I wanted to finish my degree because right, I went actually to my freshman year at Chico State, which is in Northern California. Yep. Um, and then I left that to move to England because I got married and I moved to England. And it was interesting because my husband at the time was actually in the Navy. And so he ended up actually getting stationed in England also. It was like we both were going to England. And then I was ready to come back and I really wanted to go back and finish my degree at UC San Diego. I wanted a theater degree and I wanted a dance degree from UCSD. And um, so then my husband at the time fought to get orders to Coronado and he did. And so that's kind of how it all happened is I just, I knew I I was leaving school, but I I knew I wanted my degrees. Like that was never, I was never not going to finish school. I just kind of took like a, a detour, a segue, you know? Um, but that's what brought us back is that I got into UC San Diego after being told no, like three times. I love that. They told me no. Yeah. They were like, no. Cause I had, you know, I had like credits from this school and that school. And like, I had kind of kept going in school throughout, like in England, I took like online courses just to kind of keep my education going. And I think UCSD like didn't actually just want to deal with all of my credits from all the different places. Yeah. They didn't want they to told- put them together. You're like, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't. And then I I wrote an appeal and then they still told me no. And so then the day we landed in San Diego, I marched my butt right into the dean's office. And I was like, hi, I'm Danielle McCleary. You have (laughs) denied me admission to your prestigious university. And I am unfortunately unable to accept no for an answer. So you and I are going to figure this out. (laughs) And we did. I mean, it's so much of who you are, like a thread, that thread is so, and I think that's why we jive so well. It's just like, you don't take no for an answer and you're going to keep going and you're going to find a way and you're going to pivot and you're going to figure it out. I can thank my dad for that. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Shout out to, shout out to Dan, the man in heaven. Yeah. That's special. Yeah. So from San Diego, you graduate there, all that. You start taking Soul Cycle. Was that the next thing then? No, I moved after graduation. I moved to LA because I was actually going through a separation. So my my ex-husband and I were separating and that didn't that relationship did not work out. And yep. so I was kind of like all over the place and just like, who am I? I'm gonna reinvent myself. And yep. I, you know, where most people feel guilty for ending a relationship, I was actually feeling guilty for being happy. Um, and free. Like I was feeling very free for the first time because I had sacrificed a lot of who I was to like make that relationship work, you know, and nothing, nothing against him. Like if he ever hears this, like I wish him the best, obviously. Um, 
but it was just not, it just wasn't, you know, I got married when I was 20. Like what? Yeah. You don't, I, 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 feel like I, I had a travel buddy. Like that's that, that marriage was a travel buddy. Like we traveled all over the world. We did all the things. It was awesome, but it was never going to be the relationship that like led me. And I think I knew that going down the aisle, but like my parents got divorced when I was two. So I never really had like marriages forever. I think when I went into that marriage, it was like marriage is forever or until it doesn't work, which whatever, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's just the perception that I have about, uh, had about it. Um, so I, I, yeah, I moved up to LA and, um, I immediately did reaching out to any contacts I had in the entertainment industry again and being like, I want to act. I was kind of like leaving dance in the, in the dust, like not, not dance. I, I still was taking class. I just was no longer interested in like auditioning and you know, that whole process. You were just kind of yeah. like, not my, yeah. Yeah. yeah like I, I've been going through a divorce. Like that's the last thing I want to do is for you to tell me that I'm not good enough. Like I'm not really there. And so I, like, that's not really my speed right now, sir. Not really my speed. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, but let me do acting because that's going to be way better for my that's Cause those, those cattle calls aren't going to be more horrifying. <laughs> those are not going to be more horrifying at all. So I had a friend and he actually gave me a job as a stand-in. Um, on a couple shows for Showtime, worked like on Dexter once or twice and like a couple other epi- like shows. I was supposed and then- to be a dead girl on Dexter, but I didn't get it. Go figure. <laughs> cool. A lot of people were dead people on that show. A lot of, there um, were a lot of dead people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I, yeah, then I, I started working for Disney Channel and I was working for a show called Ant Farm for a couple seasons and, you know, did a couple different things for them. And I kind of, you know, the whole time I was like, I don't really... Cause I went to school for theater, not like musical theater. I went to school for like acting, like we're talking acting, right? Yeah, real, like real, the yeah, real, like real Meisner shit, right? Like learning different acting techniques. Like that's what I went to school for. So doing Disney channel scripted television was not really what I wanted, but I was learning so much about the industry and I was learning so much about who I was and that was all great. So a friend of mine, her name was Louisa, shout out Louisa was like, you should come take this class with me at SoulCycle. And I was like, girl, I am not, no, not interested in spin. Thank you so much. Not interested at all. She's like, it's dancing on a bike. I'm like, great. I've been dancing my whole life. Not interested in doing it on a bike, but thank you so much. Somehow she convinced me to do it. And I went to Angela Davis's class at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Sounds about right. Sounds And sat on bike six. And then halfway through class, I was like, well, I will never do this again. This is horrible. I will never do this again. My body hurts. I don't know what my body's doing. Like, this is not, this is not what I want to do ever. So I left. And then I, like two weeks later, somehow, like, I guess it's like masochism, but I was like, let's do it again. And so I went to David Zint's class in West Hollywood at 7.30 PM on a Wednesday. And then something clicked and it was magic. And I realized like this was going to heal me because I was going through a separation. Like this space, doing this for me was going to heal me. And I was bad at it. I wasn't good at it. And I'm, it's rare that I'm not good at things mm-hmm. and that's not being cocky. So like, don't, you know, don't take it that way. If you're hearing don't this, like me. I just, <laughs> don't no, yeah, me. don't at me. I literally am just a person that like, I will figure it out. Like I've just always been that way. And yeah. so when I realized I was horrible, <laughs> horrible at SoulCycle, couldn't figure out my right foot for my left. I um, realized that this was going to be the thing that I could do that would heal me. And I, I, I did. I started coming back. I went back to Angela's class because we went off of hiatus back onto the Disney channel. And I was taking Tuesday, Thursday, 6 a.m. 
every religiously week. Yes. <laughs> religiously. Yeah. And then I realized that I was spending a lot of money doing that. And yeah. so when we went on hiatus again, I worked the front desk. I was like, I'm going to get a part-time job here and I'm going to do whatever the part-time desk girls do, which I pretty much thought was just like, talk to people. No, <laughs> I had no idea what it really entailed. And I was terrible at that job. Like anybody <laughs> who I worked with at the front desk, who was my manager, I'm sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. I put you through what I did. I just was never meant to be at the front desk. Like I was, I knew everything about all of the writers, right? Like I knew everything about them, but I didn't know well, the last time I sprayed a shoe, you know? I love that. I love the honesty. It's so great. It's so great. You can imagine their surprise when I was like, I think I'm going to audition. They were like, go, please leave. <laughs> They're like, never come back. We don't want to see you ever behind this. What is that? I don't even remember what the freaking front desk is made of. Like Corinth, 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 whatever it's called. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's going to be an SOP. But that was something that. I never thought I was going to do. I was never going to be like a soul cycle instructor. Like I had those moments where I was like, I have three degrees. I have two bachelors and a master's. Like I'm not going to be a spin instructor. I will never like that is not happening. I thought I was way too good. I mean, this theme occurs a lot in my life, but I was like, I will not, I'm not going to do that. And you know, then you start writing enough and people, you have the similar story. You start writing enough and then you start writing for people on their podium and then they start telling you, you should audition. And then you realize that it's a calling that you shouldn't ignore. And it was something I could just prove to myself that I could do. Like I can audition and I will make it and I will do it. You know, it's like oftentimes things that I start are really just to prove to myself that I can, even if I don't really have a plan for how long I'll be there, you know? That's awesome. No, I think that's like a really common thread. I think that there's this perception out there, like we all wanted this job. (laughs) Like this is what we wanted to do instead of stumbling into this wild roller coaster of a ride because that's what it really is. Did you have a different perception of what being a soul cycle? Like even when you decided you were going to audition, even when you decided like I'm going to do this job, didn't you have a different perception of what it was going to be until the moment you got to New York and you realized that you were so wrong? Yeah. And wrong for a while and wrong about a lot of things. It's a lot. It's a lot. No one has any idea. No. Cause like you don't, before you audition, you don't think about like, what do you do? How do you show up in this space where people are here because they need to be lifted? How do you show up in this space when you don't want to, how do you show up in the space when you are in the thick of your divorce? How do you show up in this space when you're pregnant? How do you show up in this space when you're going through postpartum depression or another breakup or falling in love again? Like, how do you go through, how do you yeah. show up in this? Nobody tells you that before you audition. I just thought, oh, I get to put together playlists, which again, didn't realize was going to be so hard. Yeah. I just get to put together playlists and like get on this bike and my ass will look great and it'll be awesome. And we're just going to live our best life dancing on a bike. Yeah. And it Duh. was nothing like that. <laughs> it's literally. <laughs> it's like, then the veil gets lifted and you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, oh, wow. I'm in it now. We're here now. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when people tell me they want to be a soul cycle instructor, I'm like, are you sure? You should, but are you sure? <laughs> it's definitely the, 
the Oz thing, right? The the great and powerful Oz, like pulling the curtain back a little bit. For sure. Yes. So you become a soul cycle instructor. Yeah, I did. How, I how long have you been teaching now? I've been with soul eight years, so I've been teaching for seven. Wow. Long time. Yeah. And you know, when I I started, so for those of you, obviously a lot of your listeners are soul cycle people, but yeah. um when I started, I was like one of the first 25, I think, LA instructors. Wow. Um, and like I was in a group with like Tina Jackson and Ryan, who taught in Boston for a little while. Yeah, right? Ryan Jones. Yeah, Ryan Jones. Um, who else? Did anybody else teach in Boston? Uh, oh, Sarah Silk. Yeah, Sarah yeah. Silk and I. Yeah, Sarah and I Silky. were same training group. Yeah. Um, and that was like kind of, that was when like, that was before the big changes happened. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was still very much like old school soul cycle. And I feel like our group, maybe the group right before me and the right after me, maybe our training groups were like the last groups to really like, we were like the last, maybe, I mean, what group were you? 22. Oh yeah. You had already changed. Like it was so different by yeah. the time you, uh, yeah. Like totally. we were kind of the last group to kind of have like the old school. We saw the, what it used to be and we were there for when it changed. And, um, and I don't know, I don't know what it is, but there's like this common theme at soul where it's like, there's the people that were there before. And then yeah. there were people that were there after, and we don't really know the inciting incident. We just know there was a before and there's an after. And yeah, yeah it was a really wild time to be an instructor. I mean, I, I went to New York, I did the thing and, you know, I was actually supposed to be in the group right before me, but my dad had open heart surgery, like right, be right before they left for training. And I kind of was like, I'm going to wait and I'm going to be with my dad for this, which was absolutely the right choice. A, because they went in winter and it was fucking freezing. Yeah. I'm no. from LA. No. Uh, number two, I just needed to be with my dad. So I went in the, the group after, and I remember like I had to audition again which was weird, but yeah. it was fine. Um, I was sick when I auditioned. Like I had a really horrible cold and I sounded like I was a smoker and I really wasn't feeling it. And I was very honest about that. I got up there. I was like, I have a head cold. Remember back when you could like show up to fitness classes sick? That was fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm just gonna, I'm actually just here, Mads, because I'm going to write off the flu. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wild times. We used to like blow candles out in people's faces. Wild times. Um, but yeah, I like, I was like, guys, I have a head cold. I can't breathe. Like I'm going through a divorce. My dad is really sick, but like, let's fucking go. But like, let's run right? And Right. Well, and Melanie Griffith, like Melanie was there. Like she was, that's when she used like tour for auditions and yeah. she like took one look at me and I, I just can only imagine what she was thinking. But yeah, I went to training and realized like day two that they were not, this was, I was not going to be able to hide anything. I was not going to be able to fake anything. They were going to break me open yeah, and build me back up. And they did. And, you know, I, I was in New York from like April to July, which was the best time to be yeah. in New York. I got the same. I, so I was there summer 2016 and again, mm -hmm. came from LA. So while it was like a total culture shock, if you will, I just thought it was insane that I could spend $2 and something cents and get on something that would take me from Tribeca 
all the way up to East 83rd if I wanted to stay on the subway. I like blew my mind. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, I don't have to get in a car. What? I can't. I was like, walk? I don't care how long this takes. They're like, you're going to be on the subway for that long. I was like, I sit on the 405 for two and a half hours sometimes. On a yeah, good like, day. we good. <laughs> like, and then I was, I was also like very shocked by how much people walked, you know? Like, yeah. I was like, you walk here? What is that? What is this walking you do? I don't know, though. There was a time like during training, too, where they wanted me to stay in New York. They kind of had the conversation or they asked me if I wanted to open Boston because they were about to open Boston. Oh, um, and they asked me if I wanted to stay on the East Coast. And I was like, um, no, it, no, no, yeah. I am. I am L.A. and I'm not like L.A. Like I'm we're considering moving right now. Like I lived in England. I lived in San Diego. Like I'm not L.A. till I die. But I am. Uh, I was not going to be that far away from my dad and my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going through a divorce. So like I had to go back and like figure that out. Sign papers and things. <laughs> yeah. Which took way too long. I mean, it took like another two years to even get that finished. So going through like my first years of teaching, going through that was like a wild, wild time because I was, I think everybody goes through these times in their life. And it was right around the time I turned like 25, 26, where I was just like, I don't know who I am right now. I just know that I have this thing that I love yep. and I'm so passionate about. And I worked my fucking ass off for. Worked. Yeah. Like I worked my ass off, for, literally worked my ass off. My ass was gone. Um, and it, it's, but the, I'm also going through this like very, very traumatic emotional experience that it, I, I mean, I, I really don't know what I would have done without soul during that time. Yeah. And I don't think you're alone in that. I think that is, that is what it is. Right. Yeah. I mean, you and I talked about this, like on my podcast, but like when you went through like the Patriot cheerleader heartbreak, like what would you have done if you hadn't had soul to go back to? I don't know. Soul is just, it is literally, it's where you go for all the emotions on your best day, on your worst day. Have you ever found this is something I think is so interesting. Like you could be so low, hate everything. I'm at my wits end. Your body can't possibly do anything else. And after you teach a class, you're like, I, I don't think I have anything more in me. And then you'll be in the back and some, you know, one of your colleagues will be like throwing some music around. And you're like, you know, what? I'll, I'll jump into your class. Ah, I could, I actually could do it. <laughs> like, you yeah. Know? It's yeah. this crazy thing. And I, I remember being that, like I'd work a 12 hour day at, you know, Culver city or whatever. And then I, I could go home and I was like, no, I'll just hang out here and take another class. <laughs> like, so wild. I mean, it's, there's nothing like it. No, there's nothing like it. And I, I think, I think what a lot of people miss about what soul actually is, is it's not just a place where we go as instructors to fill you up. Like it does fill up our cup. I realized that in the early on in the pandemic, like I've, you know, I, I've mentioned this before, but I, I like for me teaching my 6am classes was always like my time. Yeah. To be my, Cause I'm an introvert. Like I think they call us popular introverts. Um, because a lot of people think that like introvert means you like, don't like people, but actually introvert and extrovert just means how you recharge. So if you recharge with people and like, you need people around to recharge you, you're an extrovert. If you need to recharge alone, you're an introvert. 
I'm an introvert. Like, and I think it's because I give so much, whether it be at soul or like in my business or like on a podcast or just with my family or my friends, like I'm a giver and I, I am a giver of energy and a giver of light. And I fancy myself a healer, I guess in some ways, but the only way that I can do that is if I get time to myself. And I realized when soul cycle shut down that I, that that's where I healed too. And that's where I got to refill. And so having to shift that was, I mean, we all went through a shift, but yeah, your soul cycle, your, your fitness instructor friends really went through it in March of last year. I am the exact opposite of how I recharge. And for me, it was touching touch. I think touch is my superpower, but it's also how I recharge. I love all the hugs and kisses. And I remember I used to go up and like kiss people in class, like, like jump on people's hands and like rub the back of someone I know just broke up with their boy. I am touch. Yeah. That's breezy. Breezy's an extrovert. Like she needs to be with people. Yeah. Yes. I could totally understand. I could totally see that. And he's my fiance, by the way, in case you're listening. Yeah. We need to explain that as well. So we can like come full circle. And then I, I have a couple. Okay. But for me, I felt like Elsa, you know, in like when they put her in the room and they put the things on her hands so she can't be Elsa and like to have her superpowers. That is literally how I feel and, and still feel, you know, I'm teaching in a tent. Nobody comes up, barely anyone comes up and says, hi, I have to be like, if you want the playlist, you can come up and get it. <laughs> and then they like come up. And like <laughs> so for me, yeah, it was, it was, it's been weird really weird. Yeah. It's the, the COVID like awkward, like waves from across the tent are not my jam. Cause like, I'm a hugger too. I'm like a, I'll climb you and hug you like a tree. You know, like I will, I'll like lick your face if you let me, you know, I'm, I, the day we can go back inside and be like sweaty body to sweaty body. Like I cannot wait. That is a drug. I think I'm going to die. I think I'm going to pass. I I, think like, (laughs) uh, I'll cry like all the things like I cannot wait to be around people. But yeah, the whole like awkward high fives and ass like out hug. And like, yeah. Like the air hug through a mask. It's just so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. No, thanks. No, thanks. So bring us kind of like up to speed where you are now. I obviously want to talk about, you are a national vice president for Arbonne, right? Or are you higher? I am. I am. Okay. I'm a national vice president. Which is like literally one of the one of the top things you could possibly be. So I definitely want to talk about that, but I also want you to kind of segue um, from like the soul and how you started to choose other stuff beyond the bike, if you Mm. will. Um, And I know that I remember you distinctly calling me one afternoon and being like, Hey, like, I want to talk about these things. How do you extra, like, how do you do it? I remember you calling me and Mm -hmm. it's just so cool to see how full circle you came with your own journey into that Mm -hmm. whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after, well, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed on like where I'm at, like in my personal life, but like my, I got divorced and very quickly, like, actually I was, a lot of people don't realize this. Like my divorce took way longer than it should have. And I was actually still married the day my son was born. Yeah in my new relationship because my divorce hadn't been finalized yet. We hadn't been together in four years, but like it had not finalized, which was wild. But I met Jason Owen's dad at Seoul. I will never forget Lori Cole in training being like, don't date your writers. Yeah. (laughs) I now had a baby with one and now I'm engaged to another one. So I'm really nailing that. Um, (laughs) 
but anyway, cool. but also me. I'm pretty sure Lori, if you're listening, like you've dated your writers, like, come yeah. on girl. Come um, on. but we, uh, yeah. So I met Jason and we fell madly in love and I got pregnant like four months later and like scheduled an abortion immediately. Cause I was like, I don't know you and you don't know me and I like you a lot. And our sex is awesome. But I also like, I'm not going to have a baby right now. And then like some weird, like it was like a universe wink, like the night before the abortion was planned that was like, you need this baby. And I was like, okay. Like I, I had been on a spiritual journey of listening to the universe and listening to my callings and listening to things. And so we decided to keep him. Owen was born on our first anniversary wild. Uh, and he, and then Jason and I actually, we broke up about a year. Owen was about a year, a little over yeah, a year. We broke I up. Remember. Yeah. And that was hard. It was really hard because I, I think I did think I was going to be with him forever. And I really did think I was going to like, we were going to get married and all, all the things. And I'd finally found out and then realized that like, Oh, actually we aren't that compatible but we are really good parents. Let's focus on being really good parents. And that was really important to me because I didn't grow up in that. My parents hated each other until I was like 20. Yeah. So it was, ne- I was never going to let like our, us breaking up mean that we couldn't be good for Owen. So I focused on our relationship and being good parents and like loving him through all of the emotions. Um, and then I actually like breezy was my best friend and we ended up like falling madly in love. And it's so crazy because a lot of people are like, you came out, congratulations. And I'm like, no, actually that would have been a lot easier to explain to people because I, I had dated women before and I've always been sexually very fluid and it's never been like a thing in my house. Like whoever you date, just bring them home so we can make them sandwiches. Like that's kind of always been my family. Um, and so, yeah, we fell madly in love and we have been together now four years. Owen is five. Jason and I and Breezy have an incredible relationship. I'm so close to Jason. I love him dearly. Um, and Owen is like the fucking coolest kid I've ever met in my whole life. He's really an Aquarius. Is. He really is. He re- he's so spiritual. Like that kid is so connected to the divine. It's wild. He remembers his past lives. He's so crazy anyway. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it was kind of right around, I don't know. When was it? It was like two years ago. Yeah. I just kind of had these moments where I was like, I don't know how long I'm going to ride a bike for quite honestly. Um, I had done a lot of work figuring out what my non-negotiables in my life were. And my non-negotiables were, I wanted to help people. I wanted to be a public speaker. I wanted to motivate and empower people to be their best authentic version of themselves. I wanted to work with brands that were clean. And I wanted to work with brands that were vegan and cruelty-free. I've been plant-based almost 15 years now. Um, I wanted to do things that made an impact and could I also wanted to make money in my sleep, you know, and I, I wanted multiple streams of income. I'm a huge Gary V fan, you know, like seven streams of income. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of started to look around and be like, what can I do? Like, what could, what is it that's going to not sell out? I don't want to sell out. I don't want to, I don't want to do something I'm not proud of. And it needs to align with my non-negotiables. And that's kind of, I had been introduced, of course, as a fitness professional, you're introduced to network marketing. Yeah. All the time all the time. And I was like, absolutely not. That's not for me. Like I had preconceived notions, like all of us do about what that was. I was like, it's absolutely not for me. Like that's not real. It's a scam. Like even though my friend who wanted me to take a look at Arvon ended up being the the business that I partnered with, but 
you know, uh, Meg and I have known each other since we were six. We used to play softball together. It's not like I didn't trust her. I trusted her very much. I just had an ego that was bigger than this yeah. room, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I kind of, it all clicked. And I, I was like, wait a minute, I am a network marketer. We all are. If you have a presence online, you're a freaking network marketer. And you, if you tell people about things that you like and they buy them, you're a network marketer. And so what I should be doing is partnering with a company that has a great compensation plan and partnering with a company that aligns with my values. And so along comes Arvon and I like finally get my head out of my ass. And I realized that I love these. I did try end up trying products. I freaking love them. I was going to use them all the time. It was a no fucking brainer. And of course there was a little hate, you know, I can't believe I, I would never expect this from a soul cycle instructor. It's like, There's well, what always the, hate. I mean, like, like, what the fuck does that even mean? I found what did my you Reddit, expect? I found my Reddit thread. So, I mean, there's always going to, it's like, if you don't want people to talk about you, um, say nothing, do nothing and be nothing. And unfortunately, well, right. that's and a lot not of people, who we are. Yeah. I didn't expect this from a soul cycle instructor. I'm like, well, I'm sorry that you put me in a box. I never asked to be in. That was never my box. So I'm sorry. I'm not going to apologize. Like, sorry, not sorry for growing out of a box. I didn't ask to be in, in the first place. Like I will always do what I need to do to make sure that I'm happy, that I'm making money for my family. I make great money at SoulCycle. We both do. I also live in fucking Los Angeles. It's expensive here. And there was all these moments where I was like, what if SoulCycle like just randomly shut down? Like, what if that happened? Little did I know a year later, that's exactly what would happen. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, I just kind of had a moment where I was like, I need to be doing more things. I need to be doing, and, and here's this thing that works. And so that's kind of what led me to Arvon. And, um, you know, that, it, that was hard work too. Like, you know, anybody that works in network marketing, if anybody, if anybody out there is listening to this and you're like all network marketing people just like get brunch and like talk about how great their life is those people are lying to you. First mm. of all, like, yeah, I can get brunch whenever I want. I've designed my life to be able to get brunch whenever I want, but don't mistake the fact that if you want to be good and partner with a network marketing company and go to the top of that company, it's not, it's going to be a lot of fucking work. And it was, it was a, it was a lot of work to go from zero yeah. to the top. So, yeah. yeah. I was actually going to yeah. say like, I actually fucking hate brunch. So I am like a freak. I'm a freak, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but I don't really drink and I'm like, so I'm going to go overeat and we're going to drink and then I'm, we're going to have hangovers at three o'clock. Oh no, I don't drink at brunch. <laughs> yeah. I just like to be able to like go sit at the beach and like eat an acai bowl whenever yeah, I Yeah. That's a different kind of brunch in my head. That's just like, that's just like a dope ass life. I'm going to go. Oh, eat the boozy there. brunches, the boot, like the boozy brunches that existed in New York. Like when I was there for training at SoulCycle, like rewind for a second. Like Bagatelle. Be like, oh yeah. Like Sarah Silk, if she's listening to this, like she would be like, let's go get brunch. And I'm like, okay. And then little did I know it was like bottomless mimosas and you were wasted by three, like wandering around like a, a flea market, like buying things that you couldn't afford. Like it was. Yeah. Not that's, my life. that's the stuff I love. That's the stories that are like, you can't even, can't even make can't that shit even, up. Can't even, make, can't that even shit make that shit up. But yeah, so there, there's Arbon, And then I also have a podcast now. Um, it's called on the daily and I'm loving it. I'm also starting to write a book right now, which is weird. I love that. It's not, I think you it's should. not a real book. It's not like a real book. It's like a, it's a workbook, but stay tuned more on that in a few months, but. Oh, heck yes. Heck yes. Yeah. There's I, just a lot of things. I want to, I want to do so many things. I love it. And you've done so much. I think, I think it's so great. I think you are a perfect, you paint a perfect picture of the pivots and 
that we talk about, you know, sometimes you have to reroute or, you know, a roadblock doesn't mean stop. It's just like, okay, well, there's a different path or there's a different thing I need to honor. And what I really like that you keep talking about is your non-negotiables. I think that's so crucial. And so many people don't think about that for themselves. Like what, what are my non-negotiables? Yeah. Like what, if I sit down with myself and I think, what do I, what everything in my life, I have to have my non-negotiables, my family life, my personal life, my free time, my self-care, my professional life. They all, not all of my non-negotiables, you know, like obviously it can pick and choose, but if, if something I'm doing doesn't align with that list, I have to cut it out. Even if it like feels good in the moment, you know, do you have an example of that? I mean, relationships. Yeah. I mean, my relationship with, with Owen's dad was a big one. Like there were things, there were like flags, you know, and I, I'm, I'm obsessed with Jason. I loved, I will love Jason for the rest of my life. I just, we, the relationship was not what worked, you know, um, like the romantic relationship, because we have a great relationship and relationships can grow and they can change and they can evolve and it's beautiful. But yeah, I mean, that was a big one. Um, and honestly, like putting all my eggs in the soul cycle basket yeah was what went against my non-negotiables i never want that i think soul cycle kind of started to become my identity and i didn't want it to be my identity and that doesn't mean that i don't love soul cycle i do love soul cycle but my non-negotiable is that whatever i'm doing i'm present in and when i was just teaching i was teaching so many classes a week yeah that i wasn't present and i wasn't there and you know it's like Angela Davis says this so well. If, if you know Angela Davis, she's a soul cycle instructor, not, not Angela Davis, the poet, Angela Davis, Angela Manuel Davis, the Manuel Davis, the, the soul cycle instructor gone army. Um, she says like when people come to my class or when they come to my platform, like that's an honor. That's a privilege that people are choosing my platform. So how dare I burn myself out doing one thing to the point where I'm not present and I'm not like fully submerged in what I'm doing. And that's kind of how SoulCycle was starting to become. That's why I wanted to be a talent development leader. That's why I decided to work for the training team because it was another way that I could really be present. Um, And obviously when COVID hit, that all shut down, but it'll start, you know, it will. Oh, it totally will. And I'm sure that I'll head up that on the West coast. I'm sure I will, but I just, I just get, I I just needed, I need soul cycle to be a place where I can be fully there and present because I love my job. I love, there's nothing like pressing play on a playlist that you made from your heart and having the brute, like there's nothing like that feeling. And I was starting to resent it because I was doing too much of it. Yeah. I've been there too. I mean, there were, that's what's more. Th- yeah, I can definitely totally, totally get that. I mean, I remember it, it was like you were just a machine sometimes. I remember teaching like 20 classes a week, 22 classes a week once. I taught like quads multiple days and you don't, that slippery slope of it is you love it so much that you sometimes neglect your own boundaries because you're just so in love with it. You're so in love with it. You love it so much that you forget that you are not made of Teflon. You are not a machine. And I think, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think a lot of us have, have had that 
struggler, you know, have had that yeah. burnout and had to figure out, okay, well, then what? Now what? How what? Type yeah. Of thing. I mean, and you guys in Boston teach way more than we are expected to on the West Coast. I mean, you guys really, there was times when you guys were all teaching 20 classes a week. And I just remember watching that being like, I just, I don't, I couldn't, there's no way like 14 to me felt crazy. You know, yeah. 14 classes felt nuts to me. Um, but you, you know, you, you aren't made of Teflon. And I think what a lot of instructors miss, and maybe if you're listening to this and you're in a similar situation with your job, instructors expect, because all of us instructors are very close and we look out for one another and we make sure that we're okay. And then we think that our bosses, and this is nothing against our bosses because our bosses have like our programming managers, they have the worst job. Like I, I can't imagine having that job and they love that job and I'm so grateful for them. Um, but it's like, we can't expect other people to tell us when it's too much. Mm. And I think a lot of people do that, not just at soul, just every, humans in general. We expect other people to tell us what our boundaries should be or tell us when we, they think it's too much. And I think I learned a few years ago, like I learned like five years ago, like no one's ever going to tell me that I have to decide that for myself. And then I have to take action. Yeah. And especially we were talking about where, what's your sign? You're not a Virgo, are you? You're not I'm a Sagittarius sun okay. and moon. However, we're both Enneagram eight, which is very like work hard, work harder, grind. I'll do it. Team project. I'll do the whole thing. I got it. And, and we will just spin that. Yes, 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 yes. And it's something that, and it's, and it's learned, you know, people are always like, oh, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, this is a learned behavior. I've had to go to the badlands. I've had to go to burnout. I've had to tango with like, you know, bottoming out a million times to then figure out, okay, let's take a few steps back. What's not working. How Mm -hmm. did I get to that place? Not why did I get to that place? Oh yeah. I mean, breaking up with like going through a divorce and then breaking up with Owen's dad. I mean, the, the community, I mean, when your life is on a platform like that too, everybody thinks that they get to have an opinion about what you're doing. And gosh, like going through that publicly and having so many people be like, she cheated on Jason. Like that's what happened. She had an affair. Like that shit hurt. Like it really, that was hard, but it's like going through that. You have moments where you go, oh, I need to be more in control of my thoughts, my actions, my words, my, the way that I love, the way that I show up that's my job. That's no one else's job to do that for me. And I think for a long time, I expected other people to like hold me to that, but that's not fair to those people. You know, like anytime it's all cycle I've been like, well, why didn't you tell me I was teaching so much? Like they're not going to tell me that their job is to fill classes. And if I'm an instructor that'll fill a class, of course, they're going to ask me. It's my job to advocate for myself. It's my job to advocate for me not being happy and not just at soul, like in life. It's my job. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a golden nugget lesson. I hope, I hope the people are writing that down because that's huge. It's empowering. You know, it's, it's, it's triggers a lot of people to hear that when I tell them that like, this is your job. Like if, if, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Like that's the motto that it, it is meant to, yeah, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Like that is the motto. And you know, it's like, if we, if you want what the, if you're, if you want what the 1% has, you got to be willing to do what the 1% does. And the best, I actually heard this on Kayla Crafts mommy millionaire. That's my podcast. girl. That's my girl. I know you guys are friends. Yeah. Um, she did an episode about the most successful people say no often, often 
that triggered me. I listened to that episode and at my first thoughts, I was like, fuck this. Like, that's not true. Like I say yes. And then by the end of the episode, I was like, I have to start saying no more. I have to start. I have to start like really doing things that fill my energy up instead of suck my energy out. Even if it's something that I feel like I should do, like, it's just, I, I, that's my right now in my life, since you didn't ask is my biggest lesson (laughs) that I'm learning is I need to, I need to be able to say no more often because that's actually going to be the best thing I do for myself. Just dropping all the, all the truth bombs, all the, <laughs> but you're in the similar season, right? I mean, you totally, you're totally. pulling back right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like 100%. Like, I mean, we, that we feel good. Yeah. It feels great. It's, it's, it's the ability to really take ownership of your life. Like mm-hmm. truly. Mm-hmm. And it is incredibly empowering. And don't you feel that you're able to show up more for the people, you know, it's like when we're saying yes to just everything all the time, you're ten, I tend, at least for me personally, I tend to put a lot more energy into things that don't put energy into me. Yeah. Um, and you're also running on like autopilot. You're, you're just kind yeah. of like surface level. You're always just kind of like skimming along the top of the water. You're not going deep. You're just kind of like, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, you get to the point where you go, I'm putting, I am putting in 80% and this over here is only putting in 20%. And here I am like still devoting so much time to it or trying to get it to work when I have this thing over here that is working and it's beautiful and it's like, it's lovely. And it, it gives as much as I give. And why am I not, why am I not doing that more? Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm working on right now is really being protective of my energy and putting it in places that I know I'm getting it back. That's, that's insane. We insightful. And so I don't know if it would have happened though, had not, had COVID not hit. I agree with you. It was the, the, the moment. Well, it was, I call it the non-negotiable pause. It was the non-negotiable pause where everything had to stop. You had to stop. I had to stop. And as I always say, objects in motion stay in motion. So we were just in that motion for how long, how many years? And this isn't just, this goes beyond me and Danielle. And this goes beyond, you know, whoever's listening and all that. Like we were just going, 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 zoom, zoom, around, around. And it was like, whack. And we really had to analyze a lot of things. And we had to take that step back and we had to pull the reins back. Mm-hmm. And do a lot of figuring out and and meditating on things and what's working, what's not working. It really, it really put up the mirror in front of your face and made you really start to question things. Whereas before, there was so much going on outside that you could either bury things or you. I'll get to that later. Put that on the back burner. Do this, that, 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 and that was just not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm learning too how to be productive without as much to do because I used to only be productive because I was like, I have two hours to get this done. Mm-hmm. And now I, sometimes I find myself being like, I don't have anything actually to do today. Yes, I need to work my business. Yes, I need to record some episodes, but this is all me. Like, this is my, yeah. no one's telling me I need to be <laughs> doing this. And then I find that I'm not as productive. So I'm actually learning how to be productive on the in-between moments, which is for people like you and I and anybody else out there that is a go, 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 go. Yeah. That is a, that takes work. That is practice in motion. (laughs) 100%. And the one thing for me that I am is 
it's okay for me to not have something scheduled. Because I work five times. Yeah. It's okay for me to not have something scheduled because sometimes like for what, for whatever reason, my Sundays are wild. Sundays are the wildest day for me. I'm like, I go to WeWork alone because I, you know, I mooch off a Scott. I take his card and I go at WeWork and I work after my, like I teach the dirty double of like a survivor into a 1045. And then I go to WeWork and I work until like seven o'clock at night sometimes. And I just get everything done. And then I wake up on Monday when everybody's like, go Monday. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I might get a massage today. Like, I don't know who I am on them. It's so weird. So it's really being able to like enjoy the space instead of feeling like something's missing from that space. Like if you put, if you, if you're getting everything done or you have those really wild days, then take a day. Yeah. I mean, it's wild when you get to the point, because I think a lot of people, I mean, maybe, I mean, listen, the corporate life is for some people like that. I'm not taking that away. If that's your dream and that's your, that's your passion, go get that because the world needs people like you. I'm not that I'm, I envision my life being able to set my own time and fill it the way I want and have a calendar that is in and really align my life to be abundant, but also wide open for possibility. And it's wild when you get to a point where you kind of have that and you go, Oh, I don't, uh, I don't have to be doing anything right now. You mean I can go get a massage on a Tuesday at 1 PM if I choose to. Okay. So it's like a, it's a weird moment when some of these things that you, you manifest and you put on your vision boards, it's weird when they start to happen because you kind of have, it takes, takes the breath out. It takes your wind out a little bit, you know, knocks the wind out of you a little bit. Yeah. You just stroll through the doors that you feel like you were like wrapping on for years and years and years. And you're just like meander through them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a cool it's a cool moment. I mean, I, I definitely would not have had that moment had the pause not happened, the non-negotiable pause you talk about. That's, you really nailed that on the head. I, I don't, I think I would have just stayed on the hamster wheel and, you know, kept grinding. And sure, there were times over the last year that I was not productive and months, like a month would go by and I'd be like, wow, I did nothing this month. Okay. You know, and it's crazy because 2020 for me was a, it was a growth year in a lot of ways, but yeah. it like on paper, it was a growth year for me, you know, but when I look back at it, I was like, was it, was it, <laughs> I kind of like, sure. I kept free people in business. That's a comp. That's what <laughs> I a, think we all did. <laughs> that's a contribution. I bought a lot of cozy sets. I own every single cozy set maybe that ever exists. Oh my God. Um, but I, I, I definitely, it was not a year where I felt as accomplished as it said on paper. And maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, maybe it was just a year that I really did take the pause that was given to me. I love that. Okay. I want to be mindful of your time. I have three more little like sprinkly questions. Yeah. Um, what's a book that you've read recently that you really loved? Miracle Equation by Hal Elrod. It's amazing. It teaches you about miracles and how people achieve miracles in their life. And it's basically the, uh, the idea that if you're willing to put forth extraordinary effort and have unwavering faith towards your goals, you can have anything you want. It's, it'll change your life. The book will change your life. Amazing. 
I'm, I actually haven't written that. So thanks for giving me my next one. It's amazing. A big goal that you have right now that you're working towards or manifesting, or if one is too crazy, then. Uh, we breezy and I want to build a house like our dream home. We really want to build exactly the house that we want that can have people in it and we can host parties at and we can have our families stay in and there's enough room for everybody. And I, I think that that might be in Austin, Texas. So that's dope. I hope that I get to come visit Duh. and or live kidding? down the street. Yeah. Come <laughs> hang out with Chris Chandler and I in Austin. I mean, it's it, like all my friends are basically there now. So mm-hmm. <laughs> all my yeah, LA friends kind of... are now there. So I mean, everybody in California is not here anymore. Yeah. Like everybody's gone. Yeah. Sad. It's sad, but I mean, I don't know. I think after my dad, especially since my, my dad died in January and he's like my best friend, my soulmate, my, the light of my freaking world. And I, uh, that was kind of like the last thing that was like really holding me here. Mm. I'm a Sagittarius. So I'm a gypsy. I'll always, if I'm in one place for too long, I get like itchy. Antsy. <laughs> that that's cool. Actually what you just said, maybe that, that in itself is kind of like Mm-hmm. Go I be a so. law. Yeah, I know so. Um, a quote you live by or something, a mantra you say often that just fills you up and or just how you walk through life. Uh, one of my favorite quotes ever is Maya Angelou. It's not what you say. It's not what you do. It's how you make people feel that they remember. It's something that I really do live by. I just, it's just so perfect for who you are. <laughs> all encompassing. Cause that's, you make people feel seen, heard and appreciated every time I've been in your presence. I can first for sure say that. I think the last time you were here was when we were in activate training together and you are a palpable spirit. So mm, I really you. hope, um, I want you to just like plug yourself, you know, give it a good plug. So everybody who listens can go follow you and all that and love on you the way I have. And always, Mm. well, the feeling is mutual. First of all, I, she's not lying. When I called her, like when I was thinking about a podcast and I was thinking about network marketing, when I, I called her for all of this and I, so thank you for like leading the charge on a lot of things because you know, someone's got to go first, you know? Um, you can find me at Danielle underscore on the daily. That's the best place to get a hold of me. I respond. It is a huge, huge thing of mine. I respond to every single comment and every single DM. So you will never not hear back from me. Hell yeah. You can follow. I have a podcast on the daily podcast. You can follow us at on the daily pod. Um, Apple music is my favorite platform, but obviously, or Apple podcast is my favorite platform, but obviously if wherever you listen to podcasts, we are there. Um, and I think it, that's, that's it pretty much. Everything goes down. Like you said, goes down in the DMS on the gram. So it truly does. <laughs> I'm trying to get into clubhouse, but it's a, it's a tough one to get into. Yeah. It's a work in progress. <laughs> well, cause it's not a, it's a, not a content distribution app. It's a, you have to be there present for it. And I think there were days I used to spend eight hours a day on Instagram to build my brand on Instagram. And I just don't have that in me anymore. Yeah. I, yeah. That ship sailed. That ship might, might've sailed, you know? Well, I love you to the moon. Thank you for coming on everybody. Go follow Danielle, go stalk her, go love on her. And yeah, just thanks for being here. I love you. Love you too. 
Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I am just so grateful you continue to show up week after week. I hope you truly enjoyed this interview. And like I always say, be sure to share this with someone who could be inspired by it. A friend, a family member, a colleague, I mean, whoever. That's just, that's how we do this thing. We share what we like, what we hear. Leave a comment. Any of that good jazz too is so appreciated on my end. And may you always be joyful, loving, and above all else this week, fearless. Fearless.